History Notes. Welcome to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. History Notes reports on the people, places, monuments, and events that have shaped our society. Sometimes we examine what has occurred long ago, and at times we look at history happening now. Grab a pad, a pen, or a digital device and get engaged with History Notes. All right, welcome to this edition of History Notes. As always, I'm your host, Rodney Dawson, Curator of Education with the Greensboro History Museum. And uh, we're taking a focus now on history that's happening now as as uh, opposed to history that's taken place many, many years ago. We know the beginning. We know the ending. Um, but we have an exhibit up that you've heard us talk about entitled Pieces of Now that chronicled, uh, for lack of a better word, the uh, demonstrations after the killing of George Floyd and particularly the demonstrations that happened in downtown Greensboro, which were st- uh, strategic. And in uh, talking to folks and looking at photographs, we saw certain faces that popped up all the time. And one of the faces we saw um, is the gentleman we have as our guest now, young gentleman too. <laughs> and um, uh, I tell you, the city council came through our exhibit. The mayor, Mayor Nancy Vaughn, came through our exhibit. Everybody's, you know, uh, giving it good reviews. And uh, I'm told the mayor said, I wasn't there that day, but the mayor said, this is great, but you're missing something. And she said, what are you missing? She said, missing Mr. A.J. Morgan. <laughs> and so she got us your information, and we reached out to you, and I'm glad that we did. Yeah, and, me uh, too. So we're <clears throat> pleased to have our guest here, Mr. A.J. Tell me what A.J. stands for. Anthony. That's, a- my, that's my full name, Anthony Jr. Anthony. But I'm not a junior. I'm a second. Okay. But they still just threw the J on there. I understood. Yeah, yeah. All right, Mr. Anthony Jr. or A.J. Morgan. And um glad, thank you for taking the time to be here on History Notes. With yeah, us. of course, of course, no problem. Now, now, how old are you? 28. I turned 28 in August. 28. So were you 28 when this happened in May? Um, I was 27. 27? Yeah, I was 27. Okay, turned 28 in August. Yeah, let me yeah, I was, You're right. yeah, yeah, I was 27. So, yeah, it was, it was crazy, 27th birthday. Yeah, year. I see. Yeah, it was different. And uh, where are you from? I'm from here. I'm from Greensboro. Lived okay. here, you know, the majority of my life. Um, you know, grew up on the west side of town. Okay. Describe describe your upbringing to the extent that you can. Um, what I'm trying to do is shape for our viewers um, how this came about, how you became an activist. And Got you. Uh, well, I, I grew up, you know, my mom and dad, they didn't actually get married until I was two. And so until that point, point I was staying in Burlington out in Alamance County area with my grandmother until they actually got married. And then my dad moved my, my mom. They went and got a little small house in Greensboro. And um, the whole time, you know, my grandmother on, on both sides and my grandfather, I only had one grandfather on my dad's side. He helped raise me. Mm-hmm. And um, he had a cab business, a transportation business. My, my father had a transportation business. And um, being around them, you know, of course, they instilled a lot of like hard work into me and, you know, making sure that we knew what it was to to have to have to work and, and do like physical work, not just like, you know, what what they consider work nowadays. Um, I had a few mentors uh, associated with my grandfather who had like lumber yards. So I would go out there and chop wood with them and stack mm-hmm. wood. Um but I grew up around some some pretty hard working black folks. My grandmother on my mom's side, she had eight children. And my grandfather died when my mom was 17. Yeah, she was 17. And so when he passed away, you know, my grandma was left with all these children. And so um, she she worked um, at the hospital. You know, she did everything she had to do to, to provide. And so I also, that's, that's also instilled in me. And she helped raise me as well. So 
um, being from cut from that, it's just it's just been very different watching them come up and watching them overcome struggle and um, you know watching them just you know be great black people in their lanes. You know, mm-hmm. uh, my father's an entrepreneur. He has his transportation company, and with my grandfather, he's an entrepreneur. And so that's what I, that's all I know is um, watching black people build their own and being able to you know you deal with some different stuff. But that's kind of like just what I come from. Uh, my mom, she's from Burlington, you know, um, she played basketball in her high school years and stuff that, like that. Is that where you got your height from? Yeah, well, actually, yeah. Well, my my dad, it's weird because, like, with, I'm taller than my mom and my dad, but my, mm-hmm. uncle, my uncles are, like, you know, six feet, two, three, stuff like that, you know. But my dad is, like, five. He's probably like five nine, five ten, something like that. You that's, know, that's the story of my life. Right, <laughs> you know, he about your height. My dad's about your height. You know, um, my mom is they about the same height, honestly. Okay. But she she played ball and she honestly could have went to the WNBA. Okay, but she for 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 her own personal reasons she chose not to. But that's just a little bit about just my family. You know, like my, I'm really close with my mom. Um, she she instilled a lot into me and and worked jobs to provide for us as well when my father was on the road and when they were going through the things that they went through. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm very very close with her and um, she's instilled love into me and community into me and and God into me for real. You know, like if it wasn't for her instilling instilling church and instilling God into me, you know, I probably wouldn't have that that instilled into me. You okay. know, yeah. So yeah, that's just a little bit. Well, well, that te- that helps shape it for us and tells a story. So, what specifically drew you out to the streets on a hot summer day, May end of May, May thirtieth, May thirty first, <clears throat> into June, unless you were out there beforehand? I know, I know, we had the <coughs> death of George Floyd, the killing of George Floyd, that, yeah. that sparked it. But what made you say, "I'm I'm headed out there"? Well, I know the first the first protest we we started off in front of the Civil Rights Museum. And I remember, um, I'm a musician as well. I go by Free Dope Major, you know, mm-hmm. in entertainment. And so I remember I had just made a music video called Goody, and it stood for the good die young. And in that video, I had Trayvon Martin, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, Breonna Taylor. You know, I spoke to those to those situations. Guess we gotta die for the world to hear our voice. When I sleep, I'm paranoid. Don't know what's in my head. Yeah, I got a brain of cards. Living in the age of self destruction, it's a war. Doing every drug, we can find a kill the voice. And Express myself. I saw this George Floyd like, situation, and with social media, I saw everybody, so and so spoke out, and so and so spoke out, and this person spoke out, but I didn't see nobody doing nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it just made it to a point where I was like, what, what are people actually doing about it? So I went on, on my social media platform. And I told people to meet me at Woolworth and, you know, it's enough is enough. And at least locally, I wanted to bring highlight to our issues here in Greensboro. You know that this is going on all the time. And what happened was once we got out there into the streets, like a lot of different cases came to me and a lot of different situations were were placed in front of me where I was like, wow, this really is going on in our own city. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was just it was just uh, disgusting to see how it was treated um, I mean, it was just like, what were we supposed to do? Stay silent? You know, I can't write another song about it. You know, I wanted to actually physically do something about it. Now, you, I've talked to several activists, and everyone had their specific contribution. Um, no one seemed to be all over the place. Everybody seemed to find, they found a lane, and 
when I see you, when I hear you, I read your story, I identify your lane is I'm going to disrupt this commerce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so you're known to me as the one who went to Friendly Shopping Center and shut it down. Who went to the uh, I don't know what you call it, but the uh, businesses, the the mall area out on Wendover, mm-hmm. West Wendover, shut yeah. it down. Even shut down the highway. Yeah. And uh, we're not. How'd you st- it's, a busy, it's a busy highway. Ain't you? Yeah, it's a busy, busy highway, <laughs> so, man. Yeah. It's a busy highway, man. Yeah, it's okay. different. I don't know, so, man. I can't take all the credit for that, but you know, um, uh, it, I don't know, man. So you, how how did you gal? Did you galvanize people, or did it happen organically? Well, at first. Yeah, at first it got it, you know it was like me reaching out to people and organizing with people that I knew would come out and support, and they brought other people. And then you had like when we went out there and we started marching, then you had people just coming out of everywhere from every mm-hmm. corner, like literally we walking down the street, and you got people parking their cars and getting out and joining. And so um, after that, of course, you had people wanting to know what was next, and that's how that kind of grew. But um, yeah, that's how that grew. Yeah. Did did you strategically say I'm going to target this business? Yeah. Uh, how did that? What, tell me how your mind thought that through. Um. Well, with all these areas, what I would do is I would, <clears throat> I would ride at night, kind of when things were like real quiet, you know, and um, I would study like what businesses were around there, and I would study like what time, you know, things was popping in that mm-hmm. area, and then I would I would also see how many businesses were in that area, so that when I disrupted. I knew if I disrupted for eight hours, you know what I'm saying, mm. where you couldn't shop, then I know I just made you lose at least a million dollars. At the very least, out of all of these all these businesses, like with Sam's Club, when we shut down Wendover, the next day they issued out and paid a couple million to a nonprofit. Like the next day, because mm-hmm. they didn't want no, they didn't, they wanted to show what side they was on. And a lot of businesses did that. McDonald's, we came in there, they gave us free food. It was just like Starbucks. They gave us free stuff, but we shut we shut it down for that purpose because it was busy. I knew that they was going to lose out on money, at mm-hmm. least for that time period, and I wanted people to understand, like, this is how you actually get your voices heard. You know, is by affecting the bottom line, and then after you affect the bottom line, you put on the table policy. Okay. Now, you shut, you're talking about some people's money. Yeah. So I know the police going to get introduced. They're coming from a safety, safety aspect, and they're also coming because somebody's calling them because right. they're like, this, I'm losing money. So when did the police get involved? They were involved um, from the f- very first march. You know, when we was at Woolworth, um, Sergeant Ganushkins, he he was introduced to me as the liaison that I was to talk to. And nobody else really wanted to deal with him. But I understood that if I wanted to keep people safe and keep things in a certain you know aspect, then I had to communicate with him. And so um, we worked together on the first march. And then after that, it's, they kind of tried to like want to tell me what I was and wasn't going to do. And I wasn't with that neither. And so I still did what I wanted to do because I had the people behind me. So you can't tell what I'm going to do. And I got all these people behind me. You know, mm-hmm. I started actually seeing the numbers of how many police officers work in Greensboro. And we had them outnumbered, like, period. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and you know, so, um, yeah, man, I don't know. It, it just got different. The police were there, but I don't feel like they was there to help. They was more there to just kind of like make sure that I didn't get out of line, mm-hmm. you know, and and when I and I didn't disrupt too much money, you okay. know, like Friendly Center is when they, I would say, well, I'll say before that, Wendover would be the first like when they try to assert themselves. We're on the highway. That's when curfew was still out in Greensboro, and um, I told them I was gonna break curfew, 
you know, but I told them I wanted to break curfew peacefully so that people would see that, you know, we're not breaking curfew out here, stealing and looting and rioting. We're breaking curfew to, to make a statement. And so when we broke, broke curfew, like we're on the highway praying, right? And so imagine like how we was just praying just now mm-hmm. and you hear this LRAD on the highway like, you better get off the highway right now. That's what happened, basically. We mm-hmm. out there praying on the highway and people was about to get up. We was like, nah, y'all keep like keep praying, like mm-hmm. keep praying. And so we kept praying and um, you heard the LRAD come on again and tell us to leave, get off the highway. Well, no, you say LRAD, what's that? It's a big speaker that sends out these high sonic vibrations that can mess your ears up. And... um. That's the best way to disperse a crowd when you can't pepper spray everybody, when you don't oh. want to get in close, you know, close quarters with somebody. You can take this speaker and put it up on an SUV, and it's probably about, um, I would say, about this long. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's pretty big. You turn it on, and it just sends waves at you, you know, mm. so um can bust your eardrums if you're not careful mm. and mess your brain up, so... They they had us out there, told us to leave, but at that time, we left. So we left. I didn't want anybody to get hurt. But then Friendly Center, Battleground, that's when it kind of started. Battleground, they started to get more assertive. That's when they kind of start tried to arrest me. Why do you think that was? Because of we were on the white side of town. Okay. Yeah, you know, we were on the white side of town where the money was. Um, the way I calculated Battleground, it was like 100 businesses, like on Battleground. So it's a lot of money being missed out on. And we're attacking on days where... It's busy where, you know, people are out shopping, people are trying to enjoy their weekends, whatever. I don't care. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That was my whole point. It's like I'm out here disrupting so that you understand what we're going through and you actually feel stuck for a second, like how we feel just in general. And everybody would ask, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? But then we started talking policy. We started, you know, getting things done. But battleground, going into that white side of town, that's when, you know, you start to see them like, nah, you ain't about to come over here. You got to stay on the sidewalk. But when we was on the black side of town, we could walk in the middle of the street and we could take up all the time we wanted to, all the space we wanted to. But um, as soon as we hit that 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 area, like you had people calling in complaints. You had people like I had an officer come up to me and tell me like, look, AJ, if you don't get people out the street, we're going to arrest you. And I walked away from him. Like I walked away from him and I had enough people around me where he couldn't arrest me. He would have had to cause a commotion to arrest me. So then they sent the original liaison from from the first March. Yeah, they sent him to kind of like to kind of tame me. And I was like, nah, bro, I know why they're sending you over here. They're sending you over here to kind of like get me to do what they want. want. And I'm not I'm not going with that. So we ended up going down the street. We took up the whole street and then we blocked off the intersections. And um you know, each one got more and more aggressive. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. Friendly Center will be the, the one that was, was the, the last one. And I, it wasn't even that it was aggressive, but they tried to arrest me like three times, you know. And it was because I was shutting down one of their most prominent white-owned shopping centers. You got Clean Juice. You got REI. You got, you feel me, Bunt, mm-hmm. nothing Bunt Cake. You got all these different places where these white people go to to shop and spend money and spend their time on a beautiful Saturday evening where we out here in the streets hot, you know, in the middle of the summer because we we trying to get our voices heard, you know. So it was frustrating to see how the police, they would say, you know, we got people calling in complaints. I said, bro, you got people right here in the streets that's complaining about the condition of their lives. They complaining about what they're going through every day. What you going to do about that? They didn't like it was one of those where mm-hmm. who whoever had the most power and money was able to use the police to their advantage. So when we got the friendly 
the poli- that's when you really saw who had authority and power because they called somebody from up top that owns something mm-hmm. called the, the police chief most likely or somebody that runs something at the police station and was like y'all got to get them out of friendly center it's creeping up on a certain amount of time they still out here marching they causing uh disruption y'all got to get them out of here so they went from helping us block off streets, make sure people weren't hitting us to y'all better go right now. We're going to unleash this L rat and start arresting people. Did you see this coming or did you realize this after in hindsight? Hindsight. Like okay. it wasn't like they told me, you know, y'all had a certain amount of time. They knew that we were coming. This was not like something that was a surprise. Mm-hmm. They they had they have been following me. They've been following me on social media. They had my phone numbers. They knew what I was going to do. And um, really what it was was overtime, you know, I was stressed. I was stretching them out, you know, so you got barely 900 officers that work for Greensboro Police Department all the way down to the person at the front desk. And so I got the officers out here on every side of town riding bicycles and and they trying to keep downtown safe. So they stretched out then. So they trying to control what they can because they they don't have it in the budget to do this. This was a this was a real thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like the budget was getting stretched out. That wasn't something that they had, you know, made accommodations for. Was all this overtime that was being spent because we we marching in the daytime and then you got people marching at nighttime. So um they wanted to get us out the street by any means necessary. They didn't care. I'm going to talk to you about the businesses and um if you ever felt threatened or ever felt endangered or maybe maybe this wasn't worth it on the other side. But before we go to break, uh, when we talked last time, because we have an exhibit featuring you at the Greensboro History Museum. It's in the Pieces of Now exhibit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, please come check it out. And we're working on a virtual. By the time this airs, the virtual might be in place, so you can even check it out online. That's lit. But uh, you had mentioned Sergeant Kanushkin, and, you know, I don't want to isolate his name because I Mm -hmm. I haven't spoken to him about this interview, but... Uh, he kind of almost served as a liaison, and I interviewed uh, Jesse Jackson, Reverend Jesse Jackson, uh, about a month and a half ago, mm-hmm. and he had a liaison. Yeah. So I told you then that it was a historical reference that there was a guy named Sergeant Jackson, that Jesse Jackson, I think it was Sergeant Jackson that Jesse Jackson was working with, you know, to kind of facilitate uh, the movement. And you can catch a lot of slack from that because yeah. people can say, hey, you're working with the police. That's what they say. Okay. That is what they say. They say, you working with the police, this, then, the third. He trying to do what they say, but it's not about that. It's the fact that you need communication with these people while you're out here breaking the law. You know what I mean? <laughs> I knew what law we were supposed to operate inside of, and I knew it was certain things. Like, for instance, is you can protest and take up the street as long as you use one lane and let mm-hmm. traffic pass. And... You cannot have certain equipment, is what I'm going to say, while you protesting. Not weapons, but certain noise equipment. Mm. You can't have that, you know what I'm saying, without a permit in the middle of the street. And we did all of that. And so if you're going to do that, they got to work with you because they don't want to arrest you. They really don't, you know. But they don't want to let you just kind of run over them neither. Mm -hmm. But that's what happened. Like when you get all these people together unified, they're going to do what you say do. Like, that's what they don't want us to know. They don't want us to know, like, if we all, when we most powerful is when we come together, like, we can get anything changed. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good stopping point. And like I said, when we come back, I want to talk to you about any relationships you built with uh, business owners, with local politicians, and uh, things of that nature. So we're, we're talking with A.J. Morgan here on this edition of History Notes. We'll be back momentarily. You've been listening to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. 
To learn more about this podcast and many more, visit our website at www.greensboroughistory.org. Now let's listen in to History Notes. All right, we're back. It's History Notes. I'm Rodney Dawson, Curator of Education at the Greensboro History Museum, and this is our History Notes podcast, and it's designed, originally designed for educators because I used to hate doing lesson plans. So I said, let me come up with something that will help a teacher supplement or build a lesson around. And uh, it's evolved since to target just lifelong learners. Even I've had people teach Sunday school, uh, say they listen to the podcast. So it's just for for learning, for exposure. Um, it's not necessarily history that took place generations ago, but history happening now, which is why we have A.J. Morgan here with us uh, from a product of uh, Greensboro, but lived in Burlington. Yep. And uh, I might ask you, remind me to ask you about Graham. Oh, okay. Yeah, got um, you. Uh, lived in Burlington, um, came from an entrepreneurial um, home, and um, just naturally an activist. And you've spoken with us about um, how you shut down some of the business businesses uh, and then uh, involvement with the police. And I also want to know about your involvement with some of the business owners. How was the relationship or how was the interaction with any of the business owners, if you had any? Um, well, with the business owners, I never really dealt with any business owners. I dealt with more the management because they were the ones who were mm-hmm. addressing me at the door. But I never called or sent an email like, hey, I'm coming in your store mm-hmm. to shut your store down. So I just went in there and the, whoever the manager was on duty would come out and either they would be very, very, you know, willing to mm-hmm. help or they would be, you know, a little bit, you know, not wanting to help at all. So Target, they had a cool manager. You know, the one off of Battleground, when we went in there, she marched with us around the store. It's probably footage of her marching with us around mm-hmm. the store. And she let us take up the the space to the eight minutes and 46 seconds for George Floyd mm-hmm. in the store. So that was pretty cool. Um, Whole Foods, I remember a guy when I was coming in there. And with me being in a heightened, you know, sense, my adrenaline rush and stuff like that. I, I, I wasn't really worried about being hurt. You know, I just know that I didn't want to react be very reactive. So mm-hmm. when I would go into a store and like a manager or somebody would try to like touch me or try to like stop me, that's the last thing you want to do. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I would say something. I'm a, I'm not going to say right now due to the Queens, but I mm-hmm. would move out my way. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't touch me. Keep your hands off me. We got a mission. I shop here. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Back up. You feel me? And that's what it would be. But it wasn't no relationship, man. Like we messing up their workflow. Like mm-hmm. that, you know, at the end of the day, and even now to this day, I still don't go to Whole Foods. I don't shop at Whole Foods. I don't go to certain places, but just because of how they treated us. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, um, did you ever get to a point where you talked about where you had uh, not a confrontation, but you some interactions that weren't pleasant? Did you ever get to a point where you said, hey, this is not worth it? No. Okay. Mm-mm. Were you ever thinking about, this is going to affect me later on if I try to go to this school or get a job somewhere else. Mm-mm. I mean, you. I, f- I feel like when you are placed in a position, you have to evaluate why you were placed in that position. Mm. You know, everybody is not going to be able to be a voice for the community and, and highlight these issues. So the moment I was chosen to to be a voice for my community, that all everything else went out the window. I had people trying to draw me back from from certain things that I was trying to do. Like my next move after Battleground was to shut down the uh, shut down the airport. I was mm-hmm. going to shut down the, the whole airport. And I had people 
mentors like don't do that because it's going to make you look very badly in the public eye because that's not that's not uh local you know territory you shutting down an airport that's that's federal territory you get into a whole nother ball game and so um i had people trying to actually draw me back but i wasn't mm-hmm. worried about none of that going to jail getting in trouble um no, people finding out my secrets none of that like it, gotcha yeah now you you talked about how uh when we did the interview at the museum when you approached that number one how do you stop the highway you just you, run out there and you just hope people stop yeah for real, you just run out there. You, you had just, to lead the way. Yeah, you could be just, like, "Hey, you go." Nah, heck no. Really, <laughs> I'm gonna be real. This is what happened. So for for history's sake, this is what happened. So we coming around the corner, and we're about to get on the highway. And because the the second time we didn't have to shut it down because they knew that we would shut shut it down. Mm-hmm. So they already shut it down for like eight miles on each side. So we are they did our work for us. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? But it was a strategic reason to shut down the highway too because it leads to Virginia on this side and and Florida and South Carolina, Georgia on this side. And if you shut it down, people have a a whole detour. Stuff is late. You know, mm-hmm. you know you got trucks trying to get certain places on time. Now you messing up money on a whole another level. And so um them highways are different, man. So the first, the very first one, traffic's just flowing. And mm-hmm. we, we coming around the corner. They hadn't shut down the highway yet because they didn't think we were going to go on the highway. So as we turn around, it's this one kid, this one black kid, and um, he starts running towards the highway. Mm-hmm. And I just start chasing him because I didn't want him to get hit by a car. Right. So I'm like, yo, yo, chill, chill, chill. <laughs> but by the time I was saying chill, I was in the middle of the highway. <laughs> so they had to stop. And then after, after that, we had 1,000 people with us. So... He hit the highway. I hit the highway, trying to help him. And then before you know it, it's yeah, it's over for that. It's everybody's on the highway. Now, how did you meet to the mayor? Was it your first interaction with the mayor? Was it there on the highway? No, actually, me and uh, Nancy, mayor Nancy Vaughn. Yeah, we didn't actually meet until I would say after I slowed down protesting for real, because um, I, the whole point was for me to draw her out. You know. She, I had, I had heard things that I, I mean, I didn't know were true or not, but regardless, I wanted to paint my own narrative mm-hmm. and pull her out. And so, um, she wanted to come out to the Wendover March, but we started on time and she got there late. And so I moved on without her. So we mm-hmm. didn't get to meet then. Then I had a mentor of mine named Satobale who, um, uh, Nancy reached out and they started communicating. And so Nancy- you call her Nancy. Y'all, yeah, I, y'all cool like that. Yeah, I call her Nancy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I call her Nancy. Yeah, okay. man. Yeah, she texted me earlier. Now I'm just okay. playing, but yeah, for real though. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. so but um, she um she she had a conversation with one of my mentors, Ziddy, and mentioned that they wanted to make that happen. And so we ended the first time I met the mayor was in a setting like this. We had an mm-hmm. interview, you okay. know, and it's on YouTube or whatever, and we talked for like an hour, and it was me, her, Sharon Hightower. And uh, who's the city council? Well, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Who's who's the city council? So she um she was there and we we all talked just kind of like about, you know, what was going on. Nancy, she told me about just some of the backdrop of what was going on about me in the back scene that I didn't mm-hmm. hear nothing about, like the call she was getting about me. Okay. And so um that was my first time meeting her. And I felt like, you know, this this could be different. You know, I definitely wanted to build with her. And um and see what she was about, you know, because I had never met her and and everybody else had painted a narrative for me. So I just kind of wanted to see what it was for myself. 
Okay. So have you ever been able to work on those relationships you have with the city council and with the mayor's office? Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned during our break that you just came off. This is November uh, after the election, November 10th after the election. We just had an election. So you just came off a voting campaign. Yeah. Um, how did the, how did things like that come about? Um, just everything that we did this summer, um, being in spaces, helping to organize and and get people out to vote. We did an HBCU tour. Mm-hmm. Where we went to Fayetteville State, Livingstone. Now, who is we? Uh, we the People International. Okay. And we partnered up with, and I'm one of the co-founders with okay. three other people. But um, we the People, NCANT. Um, North Carolina Black Alliance and Black Voters Matter, we collaborated for the HBCU Get Out to Vote Tour. And then that led to the We We Got Power Tour, which 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 was with Black Voters Matter. Mm-hmm. And so then we went and traveled there. But first it started off with the HBCU Tour, and I helped to organize and get certain local celebrities involved so that um, the kids wanted to come out. And um, we made it a virtual DJ battle, you know, okay. so I just brought that side of my entertainment to the political side of things and oh, trying right. to merge the two so that these kids get out and, you know, want to want to vote. So you're going forward and I don't want to touch on this too much because I don't I'm not um, too privy to the information. But uh, you mentioned Alamance County, you mentioned Burlington. Yeah, yeah. And I know you have sometimes ties to uh, uh, Mr. Greg Jum, right? Yeah, I do. So we know what happened uh, a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. uh, with the uh, protest. It was a voting march. Right. Uh, but they ended up getting, some of the marchers ended up getting pepper sprayed and it made the national news. Were you a part of that? Were you I was. I was actually on the road. I okay. was on the road when they got pepper sprayed and I got a call from uh, Drum Right. Mm-hmm. And um, we spoke on the phone and uh, he told me that what was going on. And I came home, you know, mm-hmm. and then we had another march. And it had like a, a thousand, 1,500 at least people outside mm. where we marched to the polls. We marched back to the same place where they were pepper sprayed. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it was very, very different. But but it was it was intense. Some voter – I wouldn't say – yeah, voter suppression for sure. Okay. Yeah, for All sure. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know it um, – well, you know, it, it, it angered a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It definitely did on, on both sides. And, mm-hmm. I mean um, – I won't. I won't get into the full details mm-hmm. uh, of. Um, we can do it in another show. Yeah, Maybe yeah. we'll get Mr. Drum right yeah, over here, who's a yeah, friend of mine. I yeah, know Greg. You right. Know. Yeah. So I yeah. won't. I won't go into uh, the details too much about that. But I, I know that um, everything happens for a reason, mm-hmm. you know. And so that first March when they got pepper sprayed, that brought all the national attention. And then the second one, you know, people showed up even stronger and and more unified. And in, in the the message should have been is that this is how they act when they see a whole bunch of black people in the street. But then you get two thousand people and it's majority white people because it, it was it was majority white people out there marching on the with, second march on the second march from all over, <laughs> including media, including you know you had people from that community. But the truth is, it was a lot of white people out there, and so they not about to you know, pepper spray and beat white people up on national TV. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. And uh, that takes us back to, um, oh, Lord, I should have my, what happened in um, Mississippi when the uh, four Cheney, um, anyway, I, I'm going into something. No, like you good. Yeah, no, I, you I, can't, good. I, can't, I can't bring my facts together, yeah. but the narrative was um, uh, Cheney was a black, uh, young black. They were registering people to vote and they had, um, Two white people, or was it three white guys? Three, four people were killed. One of whom Cheney was black. 
but it was the first time um, some white people were killed mm-hmm. and it made the national news. And so the narrative changed. Right. And uh, uh, I've heard people specifically say that what you just mentioned about what happened in Graham was similar. Like it just hasn't changed. The focus is different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In some people's minds. Yeah. Um, now, would you, with this being said, would you consider, with all that you did, would you consider doing anything differently? No. No? Nah, not at all. I mean... Unfortunately, no one was hurt. Yeah, right? so yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, I can't really say I would do anything differently. Um, we've been we've been making changes. People all over the world know who we are. Um, and it's from a positive. It's from something positive. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have to do nothing crazy. You okay. know, so I wouldn't... I wouldn't change it, man. Like I've been able to make relationships with people that I never would have had because of it. So, okay, yeah. Now, what would you like? You're young. You're 28 years old. Uh, what would you like younger generations, or even your generation, to know regarding activism, particularly those that elect not to get involved? Um, I would. If you're not going to be involved, then I expect for you to have a an explanation for why you're not being involved. I don't want to hear. I'm not involved because I don't trust Joe Biden or I don't trust Donald Trump. I want I want people that are my age to use their emotion to uh, and add that to the policy and and add it to logic and then mm-hmm. apply the pressure to move forward. Let's not just step into these realms with just pure emotion and anger, which we which we have. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when I first stepped into it, I was very frustrated, but I learned very quickly when you're leading all these people, you have to be educated. So educate yourself on why you don't want to be involved with this process if that's what you're going to do. And if you're going to be involved with the process, make sure that you're educating yourself and that you're going about finding the proper information to educate others. Um but but I would I definitely want people to use this platform to use their voices. Like we are in a different age where technology, you can use your voice, you can use your struggle and push it out to a thousand people in five minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you're willing to share your struggle. So don't be afraid also to step into this realm. Don't think that you can't because you don't have a degree or you don't have a certain piece of paper or a certain, you know, to step into this. Like, you mm-hmm. know, God can use whoever he want for this type of work. All right. I, I agree with that. Yeah. You know, I've spoken to Justice Henry Fry, Dr. Linda Brown, who was an activist at Bennett College back in the early 60s, 1960. Yvonne Johnson, our former mayor, uh, who was also an activist, got arrested uh, for her involvement in the sit-in movement. Spoke to Jesse Jack, the Reverend Jesse Jackson, and I asked him the same thing I asked you. Did you know you were making history when you were doing it? No. Nah, that, nah, nah. Really, when I got that call from y'all, it was very, very surprising because you know, when you look at history, for the most part, most people go to be 60, 50, you know, they up there by the time mm-hmm. they get any type of recognition. Like, look at John Lewis. John Lewis was somebody who's always been, you know, pushing and going so crazy. But, like, really and truly, we should have been celebrating him his whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, we waited until, really, he was dead to give him the accolades. But they were there. We knew about him. But it, it was hidden. You know, it mm-hmm. was like a hidden gem, you know. Um so nah, man. It's like I don't feel like I feel like this is just it's just different. You okay. know, it's just different. I wouldn't expect it to be uh, be recognized or any of that at this this early. You know, but to be twenty eight and it's just happened, not even a year ago, and to be able to already say, look, this is in a history museum. Mm-hmm. You know, nah, I can't. Well, well, you know, and that's true. But you know, some of our greatest activists were young. Martin Luther King was younger than Kobe Bryant when he was assassinated. Yeah. And uh, uh, a lot of that work is done. My mother, who participated in the civil rights movement, uh, was young. 
And uh, a lot of times they didn't they don't have jobs to risk, and they got that I'm fearless, nothing's gonna happen to me. Uh, but you tr- but you did touch on something. We need to give them their accolades now. So thank you, brother, yeah. for what you did. No, nah, thank you. Uh, what's next for you? Well, right now, man, <clears throat> uh, we just wrapped up this election, but we still have more work to do because locally. Uh, we have an election coming up in 2021, and so um, I want to use the same energy that I had over the, the past seven months and apply that to the local politic scene, you know, political okay. scene, so that um, we can show people what happens when you come together around local politics and mm-hmm. how you can change the world that you live in. Because we can talk about Donald Trump and Joe Biden, but there are people right here in this city that are controlling who gets the money, who gets uh, approved uh a permit to build something like all of that stuff starts locally. That doesn't start here. So economically, if we want to build, we got to start on the, on the first level. So I want to kind of help build on that first level and get the right people into the right positions that, Mm -hmm. that actually understand what we need as policy, understand what we need at the board of education, understand what, what roads need to be broke down and what don't understand what neighborhoods need improvement and so on and so forth. So yeah, that's the work. You familiar with Dr. George Simpkins Jr.? No, I'm not. Study him. Okay. Study him. I got some materials if you need it. Yeah, I would love that. Okay. Yeah, I would love that. Well, A.J. Morgan, thank you for being with us here on History thank you Notes. For ha- thank and, you for uh, having me. It's time, like I always say, it's time well spent. Yes, always, Rodney. I and, appreciate uh, we you. we even got a small studio audience here. Y'all can clap. Yeah. If you... <laughs> We're official now. Yeah, we got we a studio at, right, audience. Right, you feel me? You feel me? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thank you. And join us next time thank on you. History Notes. Thank you. You've been listening to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. Just as you visited for this podcast, continue to go to www.greensborohistory.org and select the Discover and Learn tab to listen again or learn more about many other subjects. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please stop by the museum when you can. We're located at 130 Summit Avenue, Greensboro. Hours vary, so visit our website or call 336-373-2043 for details. Once again, thank you, and keep tuning in to History Notes.